<sighs> the comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car selling command center, thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this. Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes. There really is no place like home. And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. Welcome to The Daily Break. I'm Andrew Tallman. Here's what's happening today at Newsweek. We seem to be emerging from the back end of the coronavirus pandemic after two years. We've had a brief blip of concern over something called monkeypox, which so far only affects a very small subset of the population, primarily gay men, even though it is transmissible to anybody. But now we're hearing about a brand new kind of disease coming out of, well, unfortunately, China. About 35 people have been diagnosed with Levy, or its longer name is Langia henipavirus. It apparently spreads from shrews, which seem to be its indigenous population, and it can be transmitted to humans. The New England Journal of Medicine published a letter from the Beijing Institute of Microbiology and Epidemiology, and they say they have found it in two provinces, Shandong and Henan. Now, this is so new that the Taiwan Centers for Disease Control is actually starting to develop ways to track the Langia virus and sequencing it, which the genome hasn't even been done yet. It's that new. And about this, there are bad news notes and good news notes. I'm going to start with the bad news, okay? The first is that this is a new virus, which is a very close relative of a previously reported extremely deadly virus, the Nipah virus. Both Nipah and Langia belong to the Hennepah virus family, which, according to the World Health Organization, are classified as biosafety level four viruses. Now, I know biosafety level four isn't something that most people are familiar with, so here's what it means. It's a one to four scale. One is high school labs, you know, college teaching labs that deal with agents that are not going to cause serious disease in healthy people. They pose minimal potential threat to anybody if they get out. So level one is like your basic nothing. Level two takes precautions to work with agents that involve a moderate potential hazard to personnel in the environment, microbes that cause mild disease or they're difficult to contract via aerosolization in a lab setting. So hepatitis A, B, and C, HIV, E. coli, staphylococcus, these are the kinds of things that are in biosafety level two. Biosafety level three, microbes which can cause serious or potentially lethal disease via inhalation or through the air. High level of precautions, but typically they're things that we have some kind of treatment for, perhaps a vaccine for. SARS-CoV-2, COVID-19, MERS, Middle East Respiratory Syndrome, Brucella, yellow fever, West Nile. These are things that are classified as level three. So you say, what could be level four? Well, unfortunately, level four is things that are lethal, mostly untreatable, easily aerosolized, especially ones that are very easily transmitted and for which there are no available vaccines. So the worst of the worst is a level four. And yes, that's where Hennepah viruses fall, like the Nipah virus and this new Langia virus. So we know a lot about Nipah virus. It's zoonotic, which means that it comes from animals, animals to humans. That's what zoonosis means. It's evolved in fruit bats, and it's transmitted to humans by bats or pigs or contaminated foods, and then also between humans. And the Nipah virus is about 40 to 75% fatal, which means that more than half of the people who get it typically die. The fatality rate will depend on local capabilities, and it has been around a while. There was an outbreak in Malaysia among pigs in 1999, and two years later cases in Bangladesh, and there have been outbreaks every year. You say, why haven't I heard about this? Well, oddly, it's because it's so lethal. Anything that kills that many of the people that it infects, it doesn't spread very well. 
because basically people get it and then they get a fever, headaches, muscle pain, vomiting, sore throat, dizziness, drowsiness, all the stuff, and they fall into a coma within about 48 hours. So it is a very rapid onset and it's a very rapid outcome. And I know it might not seem like it, but that's actually good news. In contrast, you take something like SARS-CoV-2, COVID, and the reason it's so difficult to handle is because there's several days during which you're infected and you don't even show symptoms. And then the outcome of the disease is weeks after that, typically. And so, and it doesn't kill most people. It's only 2% of people or so die from it. So that's a disease that spreads really, really well because of the time frame over which it transmits and because of its dangerousness. Hennepa viruses spread very quickly. They take their effect very quickly. And so because of that, they tend to burn out very quickly, or you can very easily thwart them through simple quarantine and isolation because it's a fairly short period of time during which people have to isolate. This means they're horrible for the people who get them, but good for the overall societies being able to protect against them. Now, the new one, Langina or Langina virus, 35 patients, and people are having, again, fatigue, fever, coughing, aches, pains, nausea, headache, some vomiting. And you have problems where people's platelets drop, their white blood cell drops, liver function is impaired. And we don't know how lethal it is yet because it's so new that we literally haven't had anybody pass away from it. And after looking at animals in the region, they found that a number of them had them in small percentages, goats and dogs, but it was shrews. 27% of the local surveyed shrews actually carried the virus, which is why we think it comes from them. So the best thinking at this very early phase is that the Lay V virus is far less lethal than the Nipah virus. Of course, we'll see, but it probably doesn't transmit easily from person to person. But again, since there are no good therapies and no vaccines available, it's one we're paying close attention to. And now digging into the good advice for iPhone owners file, a hardware engineer and comedian named Paris Campbell has posted a response to an iPhone theft victim on TikTok, and apparently it's super useful for those of you that own iPhones. Here's the deal. You get an email or you get a text or something that tells you, we've got your phone, and if you don't remove it from your Apple ID, we're going to sell all your information online or something along these lines. And Paris Campbell says, oh, no, you don't. Here's what's happening. You lost your phone, right? It made its way to China. How it made its way to China is not important. But the only reason that these people are contacting you now is because your phone is actually useless to them. And you're the only person who can save them. And I suggest that you don't. And basically the thing is, they're trying to get you to take an action because that action is more valuable to them than the thing that they've got in their possession already. Now, every time an iPhone is signed in in the settings to an Apple ID, it gets locked to that Apple ID account. And then let's say someone plugs that phone into a computer, tries to erase it, get everything off of it, try to set it up again. It will forever go to that page that says activation lock, and it will ask you for your Apple ID email and password, or there's a little thing at the bottom that says bypass with old device passcode. So in other words, they're trying to sell it, they've already wiped it, and they can't get it back to functionality without you deleting it from your Apple ID. So who are they trying to contact? The old owner. They're trying to contact you by threatening you, by lying to you, telling you that they have information that they don't have. And they're doing this to try to scare you enough to log into your Find My and remove the device because then they can erase it one more time and that activation lock screen won't come up for them so they can sell the phone and someone else could use it. 
In other words, do not, under any circumstances, remove it from your Find My, and they'll never be able to resell it. Now, this doesn't really help you, because you're never going to get the phone back, and, but it does prevent them from being able to profit from it. This is something that Apple started in, like, 2013, and it immediately, dramatically reduced the number of thefts of iPhones, because with this feature, the thieves don't have the ability to profit from it as much. They can still sell it for parts, basically, but... That's a very difficult thing to do. If you ignore that email, what's going to happen is they're not going to be able to use your phone for what they want to use it for, which is to make a profit as a phone. So they're probably going to strip it apart for parts. They'll probably sell the screen. They'll sell the battery. They'll sell the speaker. They'll sell all the other parts in the phone that aren't connected to your phone's logic board. Well, all the parts are connected to the logic board physically, but I mean like, you know, not serial tied to your activation locked Apple ID. So there you go. She said this is an extraordinarily common thing that happens. And if you get that message, ignore it. Again, it won't get you your phone back, but it will frustrate the thieves. And finally, we go to Meridian, Mississippi for the rescue of a lobster. Not just any lobster, but a rare orange lobster at a red lobster. I know it's funny. An alternate coloration of lobster previously thought to be about 1 in 30 million. This is now the second time that a red lobster has had one of these creatures show up. The previous one was in mid-July in Florida. That orange lobster was named by the staff Cheddar in honor of the Cheddar Biscuits. This one in Mississippi, nicknamed Biscuit. So apparently there's been an internal memo sent out by Red Lobster Corporate that says, anytime you find one of these rare lobsters, you better name them after the Cheddar Biscuits. But in fairness, they are the best biscuits. We all know that. Apparently, Ripley's Aquariums is the place that is rescuing these. A team from Ripley's Aquarium of the Smokies saved Biscuit. Ripley's Aquarium of Myrtle Beach is the one who saved Cheddar. And then Ripley's Aquarium of Canada previously rescued an orange lobster, now named Pinchy, from a grocery store in the past. I just always think it's amazing that an orange or yellow or totally wild-looking lobster would somehow manage to get all the way through the process of being caught up and then sold and then resold and winding up in some aquarium somewhere getting ready to be turned into dinner at a red lobster before somebody's like, you know, that lobster looks a little different. I would have thought somewhere along the line they would have figured this out. Maybe they just thought... I don't know what I would do with it anyway. And frankly, I don't know. Do you call like the discolored lobster police? Well, no, apparently you call Ripley's Aquarium wherever they happen to be closest. Oh, and by the way, unless it's a white lobster, which is another rare offshoot, any color lobster will turn red when it's cooked. So if you've eaten it, it's too late. Of course, it's too late for the lobster at that point anyway. One other thought is because of the prevalence of these recently and they seem to be coming from the same region of the water, the theory is that it might be diet related somehow and therefore the 1 in 30 million might be a little bit of a statistical overstatement. That's it for the Daily Break. Be sure to head over to Newsweek.com for these stories and more, including our growing podcast lineup. Consider subscribing to the digital and print editions of Newsweek if you haven't already. Hit the five-star review before you go, and I promise if I find a yellow lobster, I'll call you personally. I'm Andrew Tallman. Thanks for listening to The Daily Break, brought to you by Newsweek.